Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. What comes to your mind when it comes to the Native Americans in our country? Um, For many of you, perhaps the stories you read going through school or the movies you have watched have formed an image in your mind of Native Americans. Perhaps some of you have served on a Native American reservation and you have a very different view of these communities based on your experience. Still, others of you may have a deep respect and a real love for the Native American people and their culture. Well, today's guest has been working with the Navajo community for 34 years. Her name is Linda Myers, and she has deep respect and a real love for the Native American people. In fact, she is married to a Navajo, and she started this program that we're going to talk about today in the 1980s during the turbulent years of the Hopi-Navajo land dispute, which ultimately resulted in 10,000 Navajos being relocated from their traditional homelands. During those times, there were many elders in the community facing severe hardships and deprivations. When Linda became aware of this desperate situation, it was food more than anything else at the time that the people needed the most for their survival. So with the assistance of Grace Smith Yellowhammer, Linda began to help and the Adopt-A-Native Elder nonprofit began. And so today on the show is Linda Myers, Executive Director of the Adopt-A-Native Elder Program, along with C.J. Robb, the Assistant Director and -and up-and-coming Executive Director, it sounds like. And many of you may have heard about this program through a recent CNN Heroes episode that happened about a year ago and really explored the work that Linda and C.J. and others do in this area of the country. It's the Four Corners area of southern Utah, which borders Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. All right, so talk about the background of this nonprofit organization. How did you get started, and what is your primary mission? We started the program as, okay, I'm a single mother. Um, we got to adopt these people. I, I, how am I going to do this? And so I went out and uh, wrote up a little thing about each of these elders, a little story of their needs, what I'd been home to home of these 15 elders. And so in that process... I put it out, and I I did something unusual. I put their addresses on. And then when I got back to the land, like somebody had a bikini and some high heels, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, not good. And so then I realized, no, you have to define who the people are. Mm -hmm. And once we did that, we were able to work at defining what really their needs were, Mm whether it be medical needs, whether it be clothing, they make their own clothing, whether it be food needs. um, We found that we had to be very specific culturally. And that's what identifies us from a lot of different groups that assist Native people. I know you've been doing this for a long time and you've faced a lot of challenges along the way. So what have been some of the top or biggest challenges that you've faced as you've served the Navajo community? Getting the food to the elders is um, 
a huge logistical challenge. We, uh, we rely on volunteers to deliver the food. Um, our staff is on the reservation for about a month in the spring and the fall, and we rely on a different group of volunteers each week. It takes about 150 to 160 volunteers who volunteer with their vehicles to drive the food down for a week, help us distribute it all to the elders, um, and we take them out to a different place, a different elder's homeland or a different meeting place on the reservation every day. Um, the elders meet us there, and we have lunch with the elders, we serve them through the day, and then we load all of their supplies into their trucks at the end of the day. And um, so that's one of, our, one of our biggest needs always, is to find enough drivers with vehicles who are able to help us take food um, and medical supplies to the reservation. Our fall food runs actually start the third week of August, and um, we're taking applications now. You can apply through our website to come on the food runs, and uh, yeah. We're always looking for new helpers, so that's that's very important to us. And one one of the things yeah. that with the food is we take the food as a personal gift. So every box has the elder's name on it. They come up and they look for that. They look to see their name. Very personal. There's not like a truck delivery where people just line up or anything. Um, we feed them that day. We check on their needs. Do you need firewood? Do you need food? We have a medical group um, that asks questions, treats any injuries. Uh, a lot of these people are far, far away from medical clinics or don't have gas money to get there or a family member. Uh, most of them, because they're over 75, don't have licenses. It's fine That's if fine. they drive around the dirt roads, but main highways is a risk with the elders. I know you've mentioned trust and how important trust is to build trust is just critical with this kind of work. What has really made the difference? How have you built trust with this community so that you have been so successful over the last 34 years? It's hard. It's very hard. Um, it can change in a second if they see something where they think you have slighted them a little or something or you refer um, in, the, in our own culture, uh, we build things on um, success and, and teachings and things and bringing things in. In a native culture, they want you to come in and do it first. And, and they expect that. They don't expect. And if you can't come in and do it, then it's just another group that comes to do something nice. And one of the hardest lessons I learned was when I first raised enough food myself, took it down there by doing just talks in parks, and I went to a very remote area where they were very greatly in need. And the lady who took me out there, Grace Miss Yellowhammer, went in and she's gone for an hour. I was just sitting out there not knowing, didn't you know, what was going on. But she came out and she said, they've decided they'll let you give them the food. This was an area where the United States government was removing them from their homeland. And so any people who came in, they were not willing to accept. And so that hour, she was really talking to them about that I'd had this ceremony, that this was gonna happen and that I was going to be able, and, and you know, they, they came out, and there was seven of them, and they stood there, and she said, just put the items in front of them at their feet. 
And yeah, you know, I never even looked in their faces that day. I was so overwhelmed by just that first that they were allowing me and second, and I just put the items by their feet and they walked off with them. And I didn't know that was my first food run, but I was. And then later, what I saw as I, as I was doing the food runs, I'd see a bunch of women up on the hill, just up on the hill, and I, I would say, so who are those ladies up on the hill? And they'd say, don't, never mind. And I'd say, well, no, why are they here? You know, we're all down here and I'm giving out food. Why are they up there? And they said, they're observing you. And I said, okay. So every time I came, they up on the hill. And then one day, this one lady that I'd seen up on the hill comes down and just hits me on the shoulder and says, I want a box. That was something that I didn't even know. Nobody kind of said like they were exactly watching what you did and how you did it. And that still goes on today. It's still, we opened a new location last year. CNN did a story on us and, and it gave us enough uh, recognition all over the world to open a new area of the reservation and put in about 50 elders, 40 elders, 40, 40 elders. And um, in that process, um, we started a new location. And again, I hadn't done that in 12 years. And... Um, it was right back to that, well, who are you and why are you here? Yeah, it was my first experience with uh, opening a new area. And it was fascinating, not only to see the elders who were having their first experience, to watch them listen to you know who we are, why we're there, how we're going to help, um, but to watch their family members too. Because their family members were all there, sitting around the outside of the room, watching to protect their elders also. And so that was that was fascinating. It was a very interesting experience for me. Now, you've told me that you really only serve those who are elders. In other words, that you've established that as age 75 and up. Um, how did you come to that? And, and why did you decide to focus on only the elders? At the time, 34 years ago, as I was in these remote areas, there were elders that were many in their hundreds. And... Um, the elders that I first started with maybe were some of those. So I was starting to see, well, gosh, you know, these elders have less than anybody, and they live on less than anybody. Their family members were already 75 and 80. You know, when this grandma said, would you put my son in the program? I said, no, we don't put children in. And this old guy walked in and I said, is this your husband? She says, no, that's my son. Her son was 85. So as the program was growing, I recognized um, that we wanted to serve the oldest traditional people and try to change their attitude about the white people and try to change and show them there are people who would give back. And so over 34 years, even though we assist 570 today, we've assisted hundreds and hundreds of those old traditional Navajo people who have passed on. And so there are many people who are impoverished who've gone back to take care of their families because traditionally they'll tell you 
my parents um, took care of me when I was a baby. Now it's my turn to take care of them. So they go back and they're educated and there's no jobs. So they live in poverty and yet they're educated. And so life on the reservation is very difficult. Um, but I realized I couldn't possibly help that many people. And so I had to set a limit of an age limit. And it's hard. I mean, I get criticized a lot because 65 in our culture, 60 to 65, you're considered an elder. People are complaining to me every time I turn somebody away and they say, oh, but you know, I have a bad back and I have this. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's not an easy and an accepted thing to turn people away. But I've also learned, you know, as a small organization, what our limits are, and that you have to concentrate on the ones that you have first. This episode is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Is your business buried under piles of mail, checks, and invoices? At Earth Class Mail, they reduce that clutter and streamline your tasks by converting these papers into digital documents and integrating with the platforms you already use. Their online tools help you identify checks and deposit them quickly and automatically, allowing you to focus on what matters most, running your business. The promotion code you'll want to use is NLP, and the URL that you want to go to is earthclassmail.com slash pricing. Again, that's earthclassmail.com slash pricing. Hey everybody, Rob here. So glad you're listening to this nonprofit leadership podcast. Many of you have asked about other podcast episodes and what you could do is just go to the website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There's a whole list of all the different wonderful guests and organizations we feature on the show. They're really fascinating and I think you'll find them very inspiring. Also, we encourage you to go to our iTunes um, page and you can check it out there. And in fact, if you've not sent us a rating, we'd love to have a rating. We know that when the podcasts get ratings, uh, the podcast gets out to more people. And we'd love to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Now, as we continue to talk about building trust and how important that is, again, this is kind of near and dear to my heart because we do our own work with the nonprofit that I lead with the Go Shoot Tribe here in Western Utah, and, and building trust is absolutely critical. Um, talk about that a little bit. When you actually remember the moment when you knew that you built trust? Was there a moment when you knew that it was no longer just a one-way relationship, that something that happened or something that they said? Bring us into that moment when you knew that you'd finally built trust. So in the early days, I didn't have much to give. And so when I came out, I mean, sometimes I had a pot or a pan or anything people gave me or left on my porch. And so I... I struggled to have things to take them. And um, when I uh, was building a little bit better and I was getting food and things regularly, uh, one of the elders came up and handed me a Navajo rug. And she said, I wove this for you to take back and you can sell it and get more money to help us. Today, when we do food runs, what is called in the native tradition is the giveaway, what you give, you receive. They line up with Navajo rugs, jewelry, maybe 20, 30 of them, because they understand with all the assistance they're getting, um, they have to give back. And that changed our whole program. Hmm. Um, now with people sponsoring them, because you can adopt one of these elders, that's why it's called Adopt a Native Elder, 
we come back and we mail rugs, jewelry, items sometimes. Some elders have nothing. You know, one elder handed me an old key. Today, we send back uh, to these people who buy their food box, who do these things, um, you know, a bracelet, a necklace. Um, and so that was the turning point for me when, when an elder said, you sell this. I wove this for you to sell to help us. And that, that was a big wow. moment. And then CJ, you've been here for eight years. What about you? When did you know that you'd built some trust with them? Uh, you know, for me, I think the first, the first time that, uh, and it took a, me a while to recognize it also, was um, at one of the food runs. And the food run was getting ready to end and an elder waved at me from her, from her seat at the table and she tossed me her keys and said, get the boxes. <laughs> and what I realized, yeah, is that it's no longer, this is a volunteer here to serve, but it's more of a family relationship with the elders. They recognize that you're coming twice a year and that you've been coming and you're going to continue to come. And that for me was a, was a huge turning point. Now, if my listeners are listening to this podcast and they want to get more involved, they want to find out more about your organization, tell us about what you do, where the, can they volunteer, how can they get involved with your particular nonprofit organization? We have regular volunteer days every Tuesday and Friday throughout the year where we pack all of the elders' boxes, all of the assistance that we distribute, um, and that's at our warehouse in Salt Lake and from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. We also, we're getting ready to start packing the food and everything for our fall deliveries, and our food comes into the warehouse on the last Saturday in July. That's going to be a huge volunteer activity, so if you're not available during the week, um, the two Saturdays after that, so the first two Saturdays in August, we're packing all of the food for the food runs. And um, all of these dates you can find on our websites also. We talked earlier about needing volunteers and vehicles to help distribute the food on the on the reservation. Um, and then we also, our rug show, which is held every year here in Park City at um, the Snow Park Lodge at Deer Valley. Um, we take it, the elders, we bring about 30 weaving families up to the show. Um, all of our elders and artists take home 100% of the proceeds from their sales. And in order to make that happen, we need to staff the show with volunteers. It takes about 200 volunteers to staff the show. And um, the form to fill out to volunteer at the Rug Show this year is on our website also. And our website is um, www.anelder.org. So when you sign up to do a food run, we do them by weeks. And you can sign up to do the Utah food runs the third week of August. And volunteers come from all over the country. Um, we have a lot of dedicated volunteers and uh, who come out to really serve compassion. I do like to say it's not a vacation because some people come and go, well, God, this is a lot of work. How many pounds of food do we take to the land? On a food run, we deliver about 110,000 pounds of food. So it's, we're pushing a quarter of a million pounds distributed every year. Yeah, and we have That's to have remarkable. we have to have people who have vehicles, who are willing at their own expense to drive down and spend a week. Um, when you're with these elders, they're old. Um, they're very accepting. I've been coming for so long. They get excited. Um, Adopt a Native Elder Day is a day where we do activities with them. Uh, we feed them. They put out whatever they want to sell if they make things. Uh, they do their giveaway to the program, um, which is all based on them. Nothing that I ask for, it's just up to them. Um, and we 
try to provide that where you're actually integrated in the culture. You can be on native land and see native people, but to actually be embraced by them, um, to be involved with them is a whole different experience. And so oftentimes, you know, people will hear about us uh, when they're on the reservation and they see us in these huge caravans, you know, trucking the food. We don't own a nice truck or anything uh, uh, to haul it in. So we, we're dependent on a lot of uh, volunteerism um, to get the food there. And that's probably our, one of our biggest issues is if people don't sign up, uh, then we start looking at Penske trucks. <laughs> <laughs> So Linda, you've been doing this for 34 years and, and CJ for eight years. What has been the most rewarding part of your work? Just to touch their hands. These are beautiful old people. Very humble, simple, simple people that um, when you're at their homes and you're with them uh, and you say, what do you need? I need a spoon. Well, like, do you need two spoons? But they think very individually. No, mm -hmm. I need a spoon. Or I need new shoes. Or I constantly need shoes. They constantly, we put out a tarp of used clothing at each food run. And the pictures of them all pointing out things that they want and trying to get shoes uh, at this last food run, it was like, oh, you know, I, I need shoes. I mean, I, it's things that um, are so differently a need in our culture. I mean, if you bring a box of matches, I hear support people say, I've never had so much gratitude from somebody for a box of matches. But if you burn wood and firewood, you need those long matches. And so the simplicity of going back to just a simple lifestyle helps people who come on these lands to feel that compassion of service. I think, you know, the most rewarding thing about volunteering or working with Adoption Native Elder is really the opportunity to spend time on the reservation with these traditional elders. They're really the last generation of truly traditional indigenous people left in the country. They, so many of our elders don't speak English, they speak only Navajo, they dress totally traditionally, they practice their traditional um, cultures and their ceremonies, and so being able to be a part of that, to spend time with them, is such a unique and rare opportunity. It's, uh, and it's fleeting, you know, as, as, we, as we move on and we continue to put younger elders in the program, um, those, you know, the truly traditional elders are, are leaving every day, and so... Um, some of those opportunities with the next group of elders that we serve will be, will be less and less at each generation. And that's why I bring them to Park City and bring the schools in. So many people have a misconception of, of a native person from movies. Um, my husband and I can be standing somewhere and they'll say, there's no more Indians left. Or, and, and they don't consider themselves Indians, they consider themselves Diné, Navajo. But, to, to actually bring the culture in and teach kids um, what real Native American people are and to let the children ask questions. I've heard questions like, have you ever heard of a Barbie doll? Well, of course these kids have and, and, and stuff, but questions for the elders and 
um, people in the kids in Park City, when I first took elders into schools, some of the questions they asked me is, aren't you afraid of them? And it was because of what you see in the movies is always a John Wayne image of a Native American, mm -hmm. which mostly weren't really Native Americans mm -hmm. playing the parts. Right. So you, you also realize what a challenge it is. And for my own grandchildren that are Navajo living here in Utah, the challenges of being Native also in an urban setting is very difficult and that for them here as well. Okay, so tell us again, how can people find out a little bit more about you and this organization? Uh, you can find out more on our website. It's www.anelder.org. And um, you can call our office anytime if you want to speak to one of our staff. And the number there is 801-474-0535. My guests again today have been Linda Myers, Executive Director of Adopt-A-Native Elder Program, and C.J. Robb, Assistant Director. Linda and C.J., thank you so much for being on the show today. It's great to have you on the show. And more importantly, thanks for what you do. This is important work. It's critical work. Thanks for all that you do to serve these communities. Thank you. I want to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better. <laughs>